All right. We're in the book of Esther. Turn to Esther chapter 2. We're going to read verses 19 through chapter 3, verse 1. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 778. 778. Esther chapter 2, verse 19 through chapter 3, verse 1. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions, as she had done when when he was bringing her up. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two two officials were hanged on a gallows. All this was recorded in the book of the annals in the presence of the king. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. Thus ends our reading of God's sufficient word. May all who hear develop a loyal heart to their Lord. When I was in fifth grade, every week we were given a math quiz. And anytime anyone got the perfect score, their quiz would be posted on the bulletin board for all to see. Now, when it came to math, I was one of the top students in my class, if not the top student. But for whatever reason, I would always get one answer wrong on every quiz. Maybe I was rushing myself, not being thorough with my work. Finally, one week, I had had enough. I was determined to get my quiz on that board. I made sure I did every problem carefully, double-checking my work. When I got my quiz back, sure enough, I got one problem wrong. I would missed a negative sign on my answer. So quickly and inconspicuously, I added a faint little line on my page. And then I brought my paper up to my teacher to get regraded. I got that perfect score that I wanted. And my paper, it was put on display for all to see. But I never enjoyed it. You see, I I knew I was one of the best math students in my class, yet that didn't satisfy me. I wanted the recognition as well. It wasn't enough that my my parents were pleased and that my teacher was happy with my work. I wanted all my classmates to know as well. I was looking for the approval of men. We are now four weeks into our study of the book of Esther. And if you recall, 
Queen Vashti had been deposed of her crown and banished from the presence of King Xerxes simply because she had made one mistake. She disobeyed one command. So a new queen, a, a better queen had to be found. A queen that would be submissive in spirit. Hadassah, the, the Jewish orphan, was not only beautiful, but obedient to all those who oversaw her life. And she found favor with the king and became Queen Esther. Which leads us to our text for today. Esther chapter 2, verse 19. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Now we are not exactly sure when this event took place. It could have been shortly after Esther had been made queen, or years could have passed by. As we've seen before, the author of Esther, he he doesn't care much for time lapses. Rather, he, he likes to tell events as if no time had passed at all. As if each little domino was placed at the right distance for the whole line to come tumbling down. Well, whenever this occurred, we we see our friend Mordecai, the cousin of Queen Esther, and he was sitting at the king's gate. Now this phrase may not seem like much to us, but actually it held great significance during the time of the Persians. Sitting at the king's gate indicated that Mordecai held an official position within the king's court. You see, the the gate was not just an entrance to the palace, but it was this large building consisting of a central hall leading into the palace grounds. Royal business took place there. In other words, Mordecai held a lofty position in the land. Now, one might assume that Mordecai was given this position to him as a favor to the queen. Yet from chapter 2, we know that Mordecai held a high office before Esther was even put into the harem. For we see that he resided within the citadel of Susa. Mordecai was a man who had earned an important rank. Let's read a bit further, verse 20. But Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do. For she continued to follow Mordecai's instruction as she had done when he was bringing her up. Again, we're not sure the reason why there was this secrecy, but it's noteworthy that the the author mentions it again. Even as queen, Esther did not let anyone know that she was a Jew, not even her own husband, King Xerxes. She did just as Mordecai had asked her to do. That submissive spirit did not leave her. Verse 21. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Being that Bigthana and Teresh were the king's guards, they would have had easier access to Xerxes than most people. I mean, think about it. Who is it that guards the guards? 
If there was anybody within the kingdom who could pull off an assassination attempt on the king, the palace guards would have been the ones to do it. They were the trusted men already within that inner circle. And with the two of them conspiring together, it would have made it that much easier. Yet they were overheard. Now the death of the king would have put Esther in danger as well. Anytime a king is murdered, it is a grab for power. If Xerxes was killed, you could be sure that the queen would soon follow. Look at verse 22. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. This news that Mordecai heard meant trouble, not only for his king, but for his cousin as well. Now, we can't be certain of Mordecai's motives in relaying the message. And as usual, the the writer doesn't really care to share that type of information. But Mordecai does the upright thing here, warning the king. You see, what is important to the author was that Mordecai was the one who saved the king's life whatever the motivation may have been. Now, Mordecai couldn't just go before the king. Though he held a high position in the land, he wasn't in that inner circle. He he couldn't just approach the king. And as we'll find out later, attempting to do so could have ended his life. But Esther was the new bride. And she would have much more access to her husband. So Mordecai gave the report to her in hopes that she would be able to relay his message to Xerxes. And the queen does just that. Giving credit to her cousin. You see, Esther, she was the mediator between this Jew and his king. Given her position, she could enter the throne room and be accepted, whereas Mordecai could not. Verse 23. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were hanged on a gallows. All this was recorded in the book of the annals in the presence of the king. Once again, we see King Xerxes keeping a cool head. The allegations that Esther had brought before him, they were serious. Now Xerxes, he could have just lashed out in anger, offing Bigtha and Teresh without a hesitation. Yet he withholds his wrath, allowing the crime to be investigated first. Just as he had followed the laws of the land when Vashti disobeyed his command, so too he made certain of Mordecai's claims before sentencing these two guards to their deaths. Of course, the claims were found to be true, and justice was meted out. The two were hanged on the gallows. Now, in my opinion, the NIV doesn't accurately portray the Hebrew script here. The the King James does a better job. It says this, Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree. What the Persians would do, and what this phrase meant, is that they would impale 
their criminals onto sharpened poles, leaving them out in the open to either starve to death or to bleed out. They learned this technique from the Assyrians. And eventually, that tradition would be passed on to the Romans. Rome would come to master such a torturous death sentence through their crucifixions. So the deaths of Bigthana and Teresh were precursors to the death of our Lord. Just like Jesus, they would have been left in public view to hang. Such a display was a message from the king to his people, dissuading others from trying any similar attempts. Of course, true justice not only requires punishment for evil, but also reward for good. Now typically, the kings of these days, they would elevate the one who had foiled an assassination plot. Some type of promotion within the king's court would have been appropriate for Mordecai. Yet the reader is left wondering if any recompense was coming his way. The only thing that is mentioned was that everything was recorded in the book of the Annals. And what is worse, if you go on to read the first verse in the next chapter, you will encounter an unexpected twist. Listen to this. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, elevating him, giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. Now we'll talk more about Haman next time, but suffice it to say, right when you would expect Mordecai to be receiving a reward, we see another man being given honor and glory. And not just any man, but an Agagite, an ancient enemy of the Jews. Make no mistake, the author put these two events together for a reason. He is trying to contrast justice with injustice. In the first, we we see a form of justice that was brought about by a loyal Jew. Mordecai demonstrated his fealty to the king and that he speaks up and warns Xerxes. Though he must use a mediator, it is his voice that comes to the king expressing the danger that was in his midst. And true justice was dealt. An attempt on the king's life merits death. And a painful one at that. Yet we see injustice in the fact that there is no reward for Mordecai's good deed. The promotion that should have been his is somehow given to another man. An Agagite. You almost get the feeling that Mordecai's life is out of his control. He may have done all the right things, yet in that moment, he had nothing to show for it. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1. You are always righteous, O Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak about your justice. 
Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Often in life, things are not fair. You're the best math student in your class, yet others receive the glory that comes from the bulletin board. You work hard for your employer, yet the one who seems less deserving gets that promotion. You are the one who does all the chores around the house, yet no one thanks you. You have been the faithful one, the faithful one at your church, always serving and volunteering. You are left feeling underappreciated. Let me ask you, what is it that motivates you to do these things? Is it out of a loyalty to Christ? Or do you serve him because of what you can get out of it? Does your fealty stem from a true love for the king? Or is it a love for self? This is a reality of the world you live in. The wicked do prosper. And God's people are often neglected and overlooked. While you may think that you can control the situation by doing more, what typically happens is that your best plans are overturned and the glory goes to another. Loyalty followed by injustice. Galatians 3, verses 10 through 14. 10 through 13. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus showed his fealty to the Father by becoming a curse for you. Not only did he do everything right by God, but he paid the penalty as well. He was hung upon that tree. In Christ, we see both justice and injustice. Justice in the fact that crime needed to be paid for. Injustice in the fact that Jesus paid the penalty even though he was innocent. And as a result, wicked men prosper. The righteous will live by faith. You see, it's through Christ that wicked men are turned righteous. They don't earn anything that they receive, but it is freely given to them, simply because God chose them. And this is what he has done for you as well. Christ became a curse for you. 
in this fallen world of ours, the, the wicked prosper and those who fear the Lord are forgotten. But this will not always be the case. There will come a day of remembrance. The good deed of Mordecai was written in the book of Annals in the presence of the king. So too are the loyal deeds of those who honor their God. Our first scripture reading, Malachi 3, verses 13 through 18. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even those who challenge God escape. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Often in this life, you will go unnoticed. The sacrifices that you make They will not be heralded. Yet they are written in the book of annals, in the presence of the king. If it is the praise of men that you are looking for, you will not find it. Look what happened to our Lord. A life full of good deeds, and they hung him on a tree. Yet if it is the praise of God that you are seeking, he has seen your work and has stored them away. They are not forgotten. Let us pray. Father, we praise you for you are the God who remembers. Those who fear you and demonstrate loyalty to you, They will find your compassion and mercy. Thank you for sending your son, who took the curse that should have been ours and placed it upon himself as he hung upon that tree. And we are grateful for your Holy Spirit, who changes our rebellious hearts, making them loyal to you. Help us not to seek out the praise of men, rather... Help us to live for your glory and your honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.